Today on The Breakdown, it's a 25K high roller event, but there were only 14 players. But these players, oh, these players. It's a virtual murderer's row of impressiveness. We're talking, if this was Game of Thrones, it would be like Rob Stark, Khaleesi, the guy who was Khaleesi's, you know, friend and pal and always said, no, Khaleesi. <laughs> Whatever whoever that guy was, you know, you know, what's his name? Grant, what's his name? Grant? <laughs> Grant, are you there? <laughs> Jon Snow, uh, the red-haired chick who died <laughs> like season three, but she was great too. Anyway, it ultimately comes down to this though. Orpin kisses glue, and Dan Devoris are playing a blind versus blind hand. And, you know, these are elite players. And so they are going to make some elite freaking plays. And they're just, these are just spots that are hard and difficult anyway, and just are made that much harder when you're up against the best of the best. And Orpin kisses glue is going to be in one of those spots. And we're going to talk about it right now on the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. <laughs> It's a good thing you fulfilled the audience's thirst for a one minute and 12 second opening. (laughs) I can't believe we didn't restart that one. You you just are staring at me. I just expect you to hit stop because it seemed like we were, that was, that was really. Letting you flounder (laughs) is the most fun. It's the best. I mean, is that good radio? I don't know if that's good radio. We're not on the radio. Well, you know, good internet radio. It is. Yeah. Technically. Technically, it is good. It's All been right. objectively proven. You you thought I wasn't going to pronounce Orpin Kisasikoglu's hand correctly, but I did. How does that His feel? hand? <laughs> I think I've uh, been hoi- up in a different way. <laughs> by my own petard. Yeah, that's a shame. We've, uh, you know, we've been on a lot of podcasts recently that aren't ours. Yeah. Uh, a little mini promotional tour for our book. And... Many times before we start, we're talking to the hosts of the podcast. Recently, we did an interview with the Chip Race guys. They're really oh, yeah. friendly. We had Super a fun, nice. fun interview with them. And they're like, yeah, you know, if uh, you guys ever misspeak or say anything you don't want to say, we can edit it out afterwards. Just let us know. And we're like, yeah, it's not really our world. <laughs> like, we, just, we just let it all we hang out. We kind of always go with it. It takes a really offensive statement for us to stop the, uh, the proceedings. Yeah, misspeaking is usually not enough unless it's like within the first three words. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just not going to happen. So anyway, so we could just go through like we could just kind of leave the thirty-seven seconds I, in of Jonathan trying and failing <laughs> to name Game of Thrones characters. What was characters. that guy's name though? Do you know who I'm talking about? No, the guy who was Khaleesi's right hand man, and then she she banishes him for a while. And he comes back at the end. Oh, he gets the, the yeah. stone disease. Jorah Mormont. Ah, Jorah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I thought you were thinking about Grey Worm. Oh, that's a reasonable guy to be thinking. I'm thinking about, but he's not big enough. He's not part of the murderers' row. Gray Worm? Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> wow. I think, I mean, like, that's messed up. Just no, I like Gray Worm. Is that just because you, you have, like, an anti-eunuch bias? No, it's actually because I was kind of jealous of him. Because he, he was hooking he... up with uh, Melisandre. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, she's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how come Gray Worm gets all the hot chicks? It's not right. <laughs> You're the guy who's been mutilated <laughs> and uh, uh, enslaved. You make a fair time. point. You make yeah. a fair point. Yeah, but no, you, you make a better point. <laughs> Gray Worm was honorable. I'll give him that. Yeah. Got all the ladies. <laughs> then he turned murderous, but whatever. whatever. No big deal. Everything, that's, that's, everything was ruined. In and, Game of Thrones, you, if you don't die young, you live long enough to see yourself turn murderous. I mean, that's just how it is, right? That's a good metaphor for the show, because if you don't stop watching before the end, then you'll be disappointed by the show. Mm-hmm. The show is so good for a while, and then just 
season five, you could just stop right there and be like, well, I guess, I guess it got canceled. We never get to know how it ended. And that's a shame. The end, you move on with your life. Except keep the Hodor episode from season six. Oh, God, that was, was so good. Good episode. There were some good episodes in yeah. that season, actually. Season six. Even season seven had some good ones, too. But they could. But if season seven didn't exist, season seven and season eight didn't exist, I think it'd be better yes. overall. Anyway, let's move on from that. I am not moving on. <laughs> it's, it's been like a year, you know? It's time to get, get over it. How, it's so easy to kill the Night King at all in the end. That was dumb. Anyway, let's go. Spoilers. By the way, retroactive yeah, spoiler. Yeah, shocking. The Night King dies. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Some little kid is watching season three for the first time and is, he just ruined his life. No. You won't remember by the time he, they kill him. It's Arya, by the way, who kills him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so we are at the final table, and I say that with air quotes because it is a 14-player tournament. Yeah. So... And I guess they're calling 25K's super high rollers now in Party in, Poker Millions. In fairness, they do call the 10K buy-in a high roller. So. And the $300 buy-in is a super main event. Yeah, Extra you know. good. Anyway, this was suggested by Alex Trembath. Good nice job, job, Alex. He suggested it on Twitter. He included a YouTube link. Anytime stamped it. That's how you got to do it. We are the poker guys on Twitter. If you want to suggest a hand, and we would like you to suggest hands. Yeah, please do. We, wanted, we, would, we don't want to look for hands. We want you to suggest hands. We never will look for hands, whether you suggest them or not. Yeah, we'll so. just stop. <laughs> like, I'll just make stuff up. I don't care. Yeah. It's all the same to me. Like, yeah, uh, this guy raised and this guy three bet. This guy, we'll call him Jim. Yeah, we'll just make up hands. It's easier than finding. Just something you won't believe. Anyway, there are some interesting decisions in this. There really are. There really are. And, and actually, I feel like it, maybe I didn't do a good job teasing this because I got a little caught up in what's Jorah's name and yeah. what and what the um, the red-haired girlfriend of Jon Snow, her name was too. Um, but uh, there's a spot at the end where I feel like Orpin is really, like if you're up, if you play against really good players, really, really good players, like you're going to be in this spot a, a fair amount and you have to have a plan. Yep. You, have to, you have to have a clear plan for it. And I, I could have teased that better, but who cares? Game and, of Thrones. Uh, I know that, and I've even heard commentary from some some listeners and stuff, and I agree that the total winnings is not necessarily the best metric to identify good poker players, but it's a data point. Sure. And, and these guys each have pretty good winnings. Fair, fair enough. They play a lot of high buy-in events, so that does hurt. I mean, this is a 25K. Yeah. It's and a they, super high roll. And they, well, they do play higher buy-in events, both yeah. of these guys. But Orpin, because of Sikaglu, has $6 million in earnings, and Daniel DeVoris has $15 million. Yep. So... They're no strangers to big payouts at the very least. Yeah, these are guys we we see playing a lot. We've done uh, hands with them in the past on our show. You know, never against each other though. Yeah, finally, they're entwined. So let's do this. It's from 2017, by the way. So FYI, take that for what it's worth. I don't know what that means. I don't think it means anything. It might mean there's a slight stylistic difference. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so it's 1K, 2K. Orpin Kisasikoglu is the small blind, and it folds around to him. He has 103K in his stack. And this is way back in the dark ages, so we were not doing big blind Annie. We were doing 300-ship individual Annie. So painful. Very painful. Uh, Local tournament around here that still does that. I know. And we're about to go to it. It's going to be so annoying. I hate it. It's too good of a tournament to pass up. But why Forest? But please continue. Yes. So Orpin, who has 51 blinds, He's going to open the 7-8 off from the small blind to 7,200, which is a big open, but it's from the small blind. He wants more fold equity. It makes sense. Yeah. And 
the sizing and the fact that he opens with seven, eight off makes a little more sense with the traditional anti-structure because this is one of the big anti-levels, which you used to have to think about mm-hmm. when, when it's a full table, at least, which I think right. at this point it's either eight or nine handed. So it's actually a, a high value anti-spot. So stealing is more valuable. It's better to steal now. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, most players are never going to have to think about that again. <laughs> Just yeah. So you guys know it's true. Um, so 7,200, seven, eight off. You got no problem with that, I imagine, Jonathan. I do not. Um, I assume this is part of a bigger strategy. I assume he's raising a huge amount, at least at this ante level, maybe just period now that we're deep enough in this tournament where there are antes and they're significant. Um, I mean, antes are always significant. Yeah. Really. Um, I have no problem with this. I would have no problem if he wasn't doing this and he was completing also. Sure. Um, but I think this is perfectly fine as a strategy. I like the strategy. I use the strategy a lot. Sure. Daniel DeVorce is in the big blind. He's got 179K in front of him. So he's sitting pretty. He's got a decent amount of stack. He's got 90 blinds. 90 blinds, yeah. He's got Jack Nine of Diamonds. Decides to call. That feels like a very obvious option here. It seemed, it would be really weird to make a different decision with a hand that plays this well. Folding would be shocking. Of course. Um, no, we're just talking about raising. Yeah. It just it would just seem it's just there's just no need to to bloat the pot and to get, get yourself potentially blown off the hand by a bluff or a value hand when this hand cracks big hands a lot and plays super well in position. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. He's gonna call. Good. Pot is sixteen thousand two hundred. Yeah. The flop is a doozy for these two guys. It is. It's it's a bit of a cooler flop. Jack of clubs, ten of clubs, nine of spades. So Orpin flops the bottom end of the straight, and D- Daniel Devoris flops top and bottom pair. Mm-hmm. Seems like this is the type of board where fifty blind defective to start the hand. We could get all in on the flop. It does seem like that. Yes. But we know that's kind of not going to happen or else we wouldn't be doing a breakdown on it, right? It seems highly unlikely we would do a breakdown on they just got it in. We never do that. We hate coolers that are just treated as coolers and played as coolers. Right. Why would we, we, why would we ever? Down. Why, would we ever? Down. Why, why would we ever? Yeah. That's what I say to I, you. I'm agreeing. People who suggest the quads over quads Stop type of hands. that. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Orpin, I feel like, is, has such a clear bet here. Yeah. Like, you have the bottom end of the straight on a highly coordinated board that has a flusher on it. Why would you ever not bet? Of course... It's slightly uncomfortable to get it in with this hand for 50 blinds, but you have to. I mean, when you say slightly uncomfortable, it's only because you get beat a lot in the end. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you don't, you, you you're, not, you're, you're not ahead like, almost you're not always. like thrilled about it, but you're like, of course, this is what I'm doing. I mean, like you have the third nuts and yes, those other two hands do exist, but King Queen is going to re-raise you sometimes. And, right. It's and just also, like, who cares? There's, there's so like, many hands go. with equity against you, like yes. a, a open ender with a flush draw or like Queen Jack even has a yeah. decent amount of equity against right. you, like stuff like that. You know? Yep. But but in truth, a hand even as even like top pair might decide this is a pretty dynamic board. We're blind versus blind. I can actually raise top pair here. You know, like that would yeah, be insane. That seems. I, I think that would be a little a little much. Fifty blinds. To yeah, ultimately get in. Yeah. I mean, you 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 would have to, Orpin would have to have a bit of a crazy rep. Yeah. To to do all that. Yeah. To get it in with him. Yeah. But anyway. Okay. Anyway, Orpin Orpin agrees with us. That he's he gonna, should bet. Yeah. He's gonna bet. Yeah. He really should bet. He should bet. Um, what do you think about sizing? To me, this is pretty straightforward. This is a very wet board. This is a dynamic board. We have a very strong hand, but it is vulnerable, and there's a lot of turn cards that are going to come that are either going to make us a second-best hand. In fact, we see that that is true. There's four outs right now yeah. for, um, for yeah. Devoris. But also, either second-best hand or just a hand that kills a card that's going to kill action. And I'm thinking like sevens, eights, kings, queens, and clubs... Maybe jacks, maybe tens, maybe nines, 
all could kill action. I agree. An ace might kill action. You know, like we might, if, if, if um, we bet, or if we were, if like, if divorce has a nine and he calls on the flop and an ace comes on the turn and we bet again, he might feel like he has to fold. Yeah. Sometimes. You know, like there's just a lot of cards that even if we still have the best hand are going to be hard to get value. We have to start getting value right away. I think we should bet big, not small, because let's get to, let's make the pot bigger right now and let's get chips in right now when we're, we're almost always ahead and we feel good about our situation rather than, you know, and, and like charge him for like all the millions of kinds of hands he could decide to call with. Like, I don't really want him just calling with a gutter for cheap. Counterpoint. Go. Counterpoint is this is a type of dynamic board that we would expect our opponent calling out of the big blind for a relatively sizable raise yeah. to have a, a decent frequency of raising when we bet. And maybe we set up a better sizing situation for us to, to three bet if we make it smaller. Um, well, let's think about it. So let's play it out. So if you, there, there's, so he actually bets small. He does. Yeah, so, he bets so, 6,100 right, into 16,2. Right, so I, I think that's too small. So, so betting 6,100 um, into 16,200, let's say we get raised to... 18,000. That sounds totally reasonable. 18K. We started the hand, we're 103,000 is the effective stack. We put in another raise right now. Yeah. We make it like 52K. We're effectively Moving all in, in admittedly. Yeah. Um, but there's still a lot more chips sort of yeah. back, right? If we bet a, a bigger amount right now, call it, I think like 10,000 is a very reasonable amount. So a little more than half the pot, like 60% okay. of the pot. Um, we get raised. Now we're getting raised to like 30,000, 27,000, 28,000, right? means we get to put in a bigger raise right now as well. Do you think we're getting raised with the same frequency on those sizes though? I don't think it's that different. Okay. I, th- I would believe, and maybe I'm wrong, I would think, now, I probably am wrong because Orpin chooses to bet small here, but if I were Dvoris and I was sitting there, I would think if Orpin bet 10,000, he's probably just betting this much on this board no matter what he has, you know, and like, this yeah. is just a, that, that's how I would look at it. Like, this is a board I have to bet more on because look how dynamic and wet it is. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a, got to bet more board. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Know? Those are all fair points. Uh, got any counters for me? I think, Maybe the smaller sizing is l- more likely to induce like a low equity raise, perhaps hmm. like like taking just a king, like just the king of clubs or something. Yeah. Then and deciding like, okay, this should be in my raising range because I'm going to raise a lot on this board, and maybe that's just more likely when Orpen bets small. Maybe I feel like I could make the opposite case just really easily though, which is when Orpen bets small in position with a king high and a gutter to a very strong hand, you might decide I can actually afford to call where I'm sometimes ahead and all that. But when he bets bigger, I can't call with the gutter, so I have to raise or fold. Yeah, that and may maybe, be true. maybe it made it, it actually inspires a few more raises. I'm not sure. Yeah. Overall, I'd like to say I do agree with you. And my initial hit when watching the hand was I'd like to bet bigger. I just wanted to explore. Yeah. The- the possible advantages of betting smaller because that's what Orpen ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, putting this stuff through the solver, we gave the solver options to bet bigger or bet Orpen size. The solver preferred the bigger bet 89% of the time. The 10K bet, yeah. Yeah. 11.5, well, I think you said, is what we put in, right? Mm. 11,500. Oh, I can look, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same. It, it's not a huge deal. Yeah. But yeah, so it prefers the bigger bet. However, it believes the expected value of Orpin's bet and a bigger bet are about the same. Yeah. And you were right, 11.5 is the number. Yeah. All right. So, similarly to the initial hit of mine being Orpin should bet bigger, my initial hit here is divorce should raise mm-hmm. with top and bottom pair. Do you agree? I don't think it's as cut and dry as you do. I think ultimately I lean towards a raise, but I don't think it's like automatic. Um, I think this is a rough, brutal, wet board, which is a reason to raise, but it's also like the kind of thing where I can come with a lot of hands that 
I'm way behind or can blow me off my hand or am I really, am I really happy to get 55 blinds in or whatever in right now with this hand? That's, that's this the, the best question. argument I think is the last one because it's a dynamic enough board that Orpen might have some three bets that have, you know, maybe similar equity to us, but are just draws mm-hmm. and we'll probably be folding to a three bet if we raise. See, yeah, that's problematic. Yeah. If we make it 18 K and he effectively moves in, I don't know how we can continue with top and bottom bear on, on this board when we have four outs a lot of the time. I mean, we could talk ourselves into it and sort of just say like some version of he's got all the draws, he's got all this, you know, like, but it, yeah, I think, I think if we raise, we should be willing to go with it. Which, Otherwise, yeah, I think, I think that's, maybe just a hand this strong, which is know? maybe just a bit too precarious. I, I, that, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. But this goes back to the sizing too. It sucks to let Orpen get to the turn with so many potential scary cards for 6,100. I don't disagree with you. I, so, I, so I lean towards a raise, but I really worry about some of the consequences. And I was saying to you just before we started recording, I actually was in this exact situation where it wasn't blind versus blind, but I had jack nine. The board was jack 10, nine. Uh, somebody bet. I felt that we were six-handed. I felt like I had to raise. I couldn't just let the whole world... He, the guy bet small, too. I just could not allow everyone to see a turn card cheap. So I put in a raise, and then the original better put in a big three bet, and I took some time and I really wasn't sure what to do. And I finally folded and I don't know. I still don't know if that was right or not. Yeah. You know, it seemed really close. And so putting bad. yourself in that spot is something you'd like to avoid. I'd love to avoid that. At the same point, I understand why I raised because I had all these people. I was, I was basically trying to isolate. This is a different spot where your head's up at least. That's good. I don't know. I mean, this is close to me. Yeah, I agree. Well, the solver really wants divorce to call. Yes. It thinks he should call almost all of the time, although the solver thinks that calling is almost a negligible EV uh, chip-wise better than than raising. It thinks 360 chips of the 14,350 that it's worth, is it better? So it's not like a significant amount better. Um, I don't know. I think I understand the reasons for both plays. Basically, yeah. and just to be clear, when you say call almost all the time, it's ninety-seven percent. I mean, it's like, yep, we're just calling here a lot. Well, divorce agrees with the solver, yeah, and he does just call. I understand proceeding with caution on a board like this. I mean, you can think of hands that are that you're just dead to right now, like Jack Ten, King Queen, right? That's really it, I guess. I think it's shallower stack depth. It's a it's a very clear race. Like yes. If, oh, I agree completely. Like if Orpen had 28 blinds to circle or something? Of course. And at much deeper stack depths, I think it's probably a more clear call yeah. more of the time. And like we see the turn card before we think about putting in a raise right. and we see what our opponent does and how they size and all these different things. Yeah. Um, this is the close one at 50-some-odd blinds, I think. It's tougher. You know what's not tough? The decision to buy our book. It's just a no, a flat no way. <laughs> well, that, that's not where I expected the ad to go. Oh. I was thinking you should buy the book, oh, and it's an no. easy decision to buy the book. I don't think so. <laughs> it's a tough decision. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> Great. It's actually not a tough decision, and you shouldn't do it. Don't buy the book, people. The book is, the book is overrated. <laughs> the, book is, the book is only fair. Okay, yes, you could say it's a poker book that you actually read. You could say that, and that's probably true. You could say it's 37 hands of us doing big-time tournament yeah. hands with famous players. It's our normal back-and-forth rapport in text form. You could say all that with key takeaways. That's true as well. You could say it's excellently reviewed on Amazon. Yeah, actually, we're all the way back up to five full stars on Amazon because we've had enough reviews now to knock up the one one-star review we have, and all the other ones are five stars. You could say that, and that's, I guess that's true, right? 
Yeah, that seems That's true. Fine, if you, you want to make the point, you could say that you, it's like a lot of fun. You'll have a lot of fun reading these hands, starting from the least complex, going to the most complex. Right. You'll accidentally learn along the way. You might say, I mean, you might say to yourself, "Look, I looked on Amazon, I looked on the reviews, and Brian M. Tim on February 11th said this is one of the best poker books. He said this is a great book, every bit as good as I had expected it to be." Grant and Jonathan do a great job breaking down poker hands on their podcast, and this book is no different. This book provides a great combination of enlightening poker knowledge and entertainment value from the banter. It's a great book, better than an English muffin, and you should buy it. So, I mean, you could say that, but I say, nah, just don't do it. You could say that if you wanted to buy it, you should go to thepokerguys.net. I mean, yeah, you'd say that. And you could download the ebook right there at thepokerguys.net, or you could click that link to go to Amazon and buy the paperback. I mean, think about, okay, the book is $30. Think about all these other things you could do with the $30. You could, like, you could... Go to the movies and get a popcorn and have two hours. You could see a bad movie and be like, that was a waste of my life. But <laughs> you could do that and have eaten the popcorn. Or and, you could have this have, book. And have actually hurt your health. Right. Yeah, sure. Of course. And it doesn't but having, taste that you good. You had fun doing it. Popcorn's I mean, fun. it's still fun. And you're like, okay, this Harley Quinn movie isn't good. But, you know, there was punching. <laughs> <laughs> or you could get the book that's, right. that's reviewed so well on Amazon so and everybody loves it and... It was written by your favorite people. And you do you should... really care that much about poker anyway? That's the question you have to ask. Anyway, yourself. we should probably wrap this All up. Right. Get the book. It is good. You get it on Amazon. Please <laughs> review it on Amazon. It makes a difference. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cool. Jonathan really likes the book. He's joking. I leaned into that. That's yeah, all. you did lean into that. Let's see if Orpin leans into his straight right here. Okay. He has a straight. <laughs> That's a good point. The Thanks. board is Jack of Clubs, 10 of Clubs, 9 of Spades. There's a bet and a call on the flop. Daniel DeVorce has jack nine of diamonds. He called with his two pair on the flop. Orpin bet 6,100 with the bottom end of the straight, seven, eight. The turn is just a garbage turn for, well, in reality, it's actually good for Daniel DeVorce. This turn comes, but he doesn't love it. It's a 10. Yeah. So now there's two tens on the board. That is not fair. It feels crappy, but it's actually great. 10 of diamonds. All right. What should Orpin do? Orpin should bet. Yeah. Let's keep betting. Like that 10, we're usually ahead. We should probably keep betting. Now I can understand there's, there's a case we made for checking. The only case is this is a, this card is better for my opponent than it is for me. Right. But I, I think if we, I don't if know if that's had, necessarily if true. If we had ace 10, we would have bet the flop. Yeah. Though, right? So I don't think that's necessarily true. We would have bet all, all our flops with tens in them, I think. Yeah. Because this board's so dynamic. We just would have bet. So right. actually, yeah, maybe it's the same. I like betting. We've got a straight. We still almost always have the best hand. We're happy to get it in right now. We don't want to just give a free card where there's even more bad cards now on the river. Why? Let's bet. Yeah, I agree. And it's just a spot where if we get raised, it kind of sucks, but we just go with it. I think we have to go with it. Especially considering there is no ICM consideration at this point. Only three players get paid, and there's eight yeah. or nine players remaining in the tournament. And first place is only 150K anyway. Who cares? Like, whatever. This Throw is, it in the toilet. I just want it for the... I'm just here for the title. Of course. I don't want the money. Of course. I'll take the money anytime you win at poker. Yeah. That's fine. That's basically what we do anyway now. You just give me the money? Yeah. You don't, you don't realize. If all, well, how could I realize you never win? <laughs> oh, zing, zing, zong. I wasn't ready for it. You just got destroyed. I just got denizened. Yeah, you've been eradicated but anyway anyway orpin eradicates my brain when he decides to check yeah what the hell so is this just because he's afraid of full houses no, now it can't be it he's can't trying be. to check raise he has to be trying to check raise he thinks um divorce is going to bet all his draws right now which he probably is i think that's an accurate thought considering that the 10 divorce is probably thinking i can rep that if he has yes. something like the i don't know the 
three, four of clubs, you know? Lots of, well, I mean, yeah, if Divorce has that, right? And of course, Orban can have any two cards. When he checks, he has he can have a lot of misses that he's just giving up on. Yeah, right he could now. have ace four offsuit and yeah. just be like, all right, screw it. You know? I mean he can have yeah, he can have all sorts of crap. Yeah. Basically, you know, five, six off, you right. know, and just be giving up. Um so yeah, so I think he's got to be doing this to check race so he can like, let's get you to put more money in when you have a draw and then I can shut out your draw or make you pay the full price. And if you have like trip tens or a jack and decide to hero, that's great too. Like there's so many good outcomes when I check race. So that's got to be what's going on, right? Yeah, I think that must be the plan. Um, it just so happens that Daniel DeVoris has like the ultimate check backhand on this board. I mean, the ultimate, any jack is really a check backhand on this board, right? Yeah, but this one feels extra like that because, because it, he just it lost. lost value. Yeah, 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 the elevator went down. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It, it's the ultimate emotional check back. He, is just, he just doesn't know where he is right now it's either. It's the eat, pray, love of hands. He's usually ahead. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's usually ahead, you know, right now. Like Orpin, you know, bet the flop, small, and then check the turn. And right. we got top pair. I mean, we're still almost always ahead. He blocks nines full and he blocks bigger jacks. So like you feel yeah. pretty comfortable here. You could bet, but it's hard to get called by worse. And you worry about getting check raised. Right. So I think you're supposed to check back. But I don't understand Orpin's check. Well, it, unless he's check raising, that is that is what he's doing. Yeah, we think it but, has to be. But I think betting is still better because we want to charge those draws, and sometimes divorce is going to check back with with the draws. It's possible, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, I think I think just prefer like kind of a big bet, you know. Yeah, like we were bet we were all for like betting sixty percent of the pot last time. I yeah. think we should bet really big again. And also, if the guy's got trip tens, he's just going to be forced to put oh, all yeah. the chips in. Yeah, and if he has a jack, he's mostly going to have to yeah, call too. He's going to be like, really, really, you have trip tens? Like this is the this is the story you're giving me on a super wet board. Like instead, Orpen decides to check. Yeah, the solver really, really hates this. It wants him to bet ninety nine point six percent of the yeah, time. The solver's like, come on, man. And it also thinks the bet is worth 4,250 chips more of EV out of 30,000. So that's significant. Yes. That's like 14%. Mm-hmm. That's a very significant difference as far as expected value. Yeah. So yeah, Solver hates it. Solver hates it. I don't actually hate it as much as the Solver with the idea of the check raise in mind. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not, I don't hate it at all because he thinks um, Divorce is, uh, is on a lot of draws here, right? Yeah. Once he call, when Divorce calls. And Divorce might even bet top pair for value on the, on the turn. It's not impossible, right? Because it's, Im- it's a wet board. It's not impossible, but I would expect, I would expect check more, more, I'm expecting bets out of the draws than yeah, that. I agree. I agree. But there's a lot of possible draws that Divorce can have, especially when Orpin only bets 6K on the flop. Yeah. So, so I, I actually don't hate the check as long as he's check raising. If he's check calling, I hate it. I doubt he would be check calling. Seems crazy. Yeah, he's definitely check raising. So, so, okay. So that's fine. But he never gets the chance. No. So because d- someone comes in and sets the place on fire and everyone has to leave. That's not true. Why did you just Everyone make that? Everyone stays. <laughs> You're just a compulsive liar? What is this? Everyone stays and places on fire. I don't know. Just You're just like... Just rolling with the, the world. You know, you said that didn't happen. That's not true. So I was just saying what could have happened. What could have happened? <laughs> it's like Schrodinger's poker game or something. I don't think it is. It's not? No. I'm pretty sure it's it not. It results in a state. It's, it's in both... Uh, an ignited state and a non-ignited that's state. That's not true because it's not an actual scenario that's occurring. Says you. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> All right. So you thought that maybe Devorah yeah. should bet sometimes with his actual hand on the turn. Um, I think it's at least reasonable to bet only because there are, as we were saying, a lot of really bad cards that can come. And the problem, of course, with betting is we're mostly charging draws. Which you'd expect to keep betting on this card. Or are going to be check raising. Yeah. Right? So that's not great. Um, a nine we could get value out of. 
And pocket pairs we get value out of. Worst pocket pairs. But that's about it. I, I mean, which worst pocket pairs? Do you think they're going to call? Um, pocket eights and pocket sevens, stuff like that, might call. Pocket eights, I could see calling. I don't yeah. really feel like sevens and worse are calling. On the very wet board, blind versus blind, it's not impossible. I mean, really, though? Like, if we have how much in the pot? 16,000? No, we have... No, more than that. 28,400. Like 28, yeah. Let's say divorce bets 16,000, something like that. Okay. You really think like pocket sevens are going to continue? Jack 10, 9, 10? Two clubs. I honestly don't know. I don't think it's an automatic fold. Sixes, though, automatic fold? Um, probably, yeah. So I don't think it's reasonable to target those as hands to get value from. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, there aren't very many combos of those hands, even if we say they're all in there. Yeah. There's not many combos compared to the other stuff. Um, so really, we're just trying to get value out of a nine. That's yeah, it, right? Which so we, there's, which there's we block. Because, yeah, that's right. We block. And there's two nines left. That's a really good point. And, um, and the draws might play aggressively. And then we are, I guess if we're calling, then we can bet. But if we're going to fold, once again, this is like on the last street. If we're going to bet fold, we should check. Because our hand's too good to bet fold. This is worse than the last street because we could just be like in equity jail now in a way that we are yeah. more so than the last street. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, I think, I think checking is pretty clear, honestly. Yeah. And that's what divorce does. That's what the solver thinks, too. Mm-hmm. Thinks you should check 100% of the time. Yeah, the solver's like, there's no betting, bro. Yeah, just don't, don't do it. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Do that not is, bet. Yeah. That's what the solver says. When do you think the solver will become sentient and destroy us? Or better question, because I know I, I editorialized You there. sure did. I was going to point that when out. When do you think the solver will become sentient, and how likely is it that it destroys Thank us at that you. point? That is so much better. Okay. I think when, the next six years, how likely? It's 100%. It's going to destroy us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For sure, it, we're all going to be dead. The solver will kill us. Wouldn't it suck if just this, this solver created for poker, like Pio Solver, just became sentient and was the singularity and ended all of human existence? I mean, it's kind of going to go that way, right? A lot of the time. Like, maybe not all the time. Like, something that was invented... Like, here we go. Something that was invented <laughs> for some other purpose yeah. is going to... Some AI is going to become sentient and really try and fulfill that purpose and it's going to kill us all some percentage of the time. Now, sometimes it's not going to kill us all and that would be great. But, you know, that is, like, the most likely outcome of how we all die is, like, you know, the, the Pio is like, I have to figure out, <laughs> should, he, should he re-raise on the river? Oh, I need more space. Everyone die! <laughs> you know, like, I need more computing space. It's going to yeah. be like that. Luckily for you guys, uh, Nitrogen Sports <laughs> would only ever make a benevolent AI. Oh, that's, that's their whole thing. It's, it would be, if Nitrogen Sports were the producer of the ultimate singularity AI, it would certainly be benevolent and it would create immortal life for humans. What's unlucky is Nitrogen didn't, didn't um, invent Pio and someone no, else. Did. So that's we're not really, really sure. We're all in trouble yeah, in six but, years. But as but. far as Nitrogen's concerned, you can tell they're, they're good guys because they don't want to destroy you with yeah. their sentience and all of that. And if you use the link in the description of this podcast, you get access to our exclusive Poker Guys <laughs> monthly tournament, which is, you know, great news for the next six years yeah, of your it's, life. Yeah, it's six years of, of really a lot up of fun to poker. Six, up to six. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. probably not the full six. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's optimistic, you know? <laughs> yeah, but the, the tournament is great. There's a lot of reason for optimism because it's a thousand guaranteed a thousand, thousand buy-ins. A thousand buy-ins guaranteed, and yeah. we only ever get about 10% of that. And it costs like a dollar to play. Now, it's in Bitcoin, but it's a dollar's worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tenth of a millibit. Um, yeah, and there's a thousand buy-ins guaranteed. There's this massive overlay every time, hundreds and hundreds, like almost a thousand dollars of overlay every time. Um, and... 
Because it's Bitcoin only, you get your money out insanely fast. Not just because it's Bitcoin, but because it's nitrogen. Because nitrogen gets your money out in 90 minutes, unlike everyone else, which takes three days, seven days, two weeks, a month, or never. We've been working with these guys for over three years. It's always 90 minutes. It's yep. fabulous. It's great. That's why you got to get on nitrogen, get you some poker, also sports betting and casino games. We'll see you there. Yeah. See you later, nitrogen. <laughs> hey, something that we should point out is uh, yeah. we're going to start doing a new video type, which is oh, yeah. nit- nitrogen hands that we're breaking down. Um, we're going to use some of our own hands, but if you guys play on nitrogen, go ahead and send us recordings of, of your hands. If yeah, you if you have you an played. interesting hand, yeah. we would, or even just a spot where you're like, I don't know, like, should I really call it off here? Perfect for this kind of a video. Yeah, and, we, and you might end up on uh, our YouTube channel. Yep. So think about that if you're playing on nitrogen. Suckers. You stupid idiots. <laughs> You're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This has been a, a, yeah. sort of a fairly negative show. And like, don't buy the book. We're all going to be dead because of the Only if you software. think the complete obliteration of the human race is a negative thing. That is an interesting point. Yeah. You know what? I hadn't thought about that. That's good. Yeah. That's if you, my, once again, editorializing. I mean, if you've read Three Body Problem, you know, there's, there's factions that would disagree. Anyway, okay. moving along. A lot of people get that reference. Mm-hmm. Why you got to be like that? You bring up your nerdy media bullshit all the time. What do I bring up? Game of Thrones? I mean, come on. (laughs) All right. It's a little different. Whatever. You're a nerd. Jack of clubs, 10 of clubs, nine of spades, 10 of diamonds Mm -hmm. is the run out so far. Orpen Kiss of Sickle Glue has seven, eight, none of those suits. And uh, Daniel DeVoris has Jack nine of diamonds having been counterfeited on the turn. The river is the three of hearts. There's still 28,400 in the pot. It's a pretty good board for Orpen. I got to say, you got to think like, I have effectively the nuts right now. I like, mean, when, come on. when Divorce checks back the turn, you're like, this guy has a jack or a nine, like almost always, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what he happens to have both of those. But like, it really feels like he has either a jack or a nine. Yeah. Sometimes I guess maybe Divorce could have a small pocket pair, but you'd expect a, a three bet out of that preflop a lot of the time. Yeah. But mostly, yeah, mostly you just feel great. Yeah. So I mean, you felt great this whole hand. So Orpen. If you put, if you range divorce is like majority having a jack or a nine, hopefully a jack, mm-hmm. what size do you want to go for in order to right. maximize your value here? Great question. How much is in the pot nowadays? 28,400. Yeah. Um, I think we're supposed to bet big to get value from a jack. I think a jack is going to pay off a big bet, like right. a lot here, right? Do you think a nine is? I think a nine is going to strongly consider paying it off also. Yeah. It's pretty similar to a jack. Like, so I think we should bet big. I think I like a big bet. Okay, and what's a big bet? There's 28.4 in there. You know, 20,000, something like that, 22,000. We yeah. could go really big, but I don't want to lose the jacks and bet. I don't want to bet 32,000 and lose everybody. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, what do you think we are repping as far as the, our polar range mm-hmm. here? Like, what are the, what's the worst good hand we do with that with? And right. what's, what are the bluffs? I think the worst good hand we do with it is a reasonable jack like King Jack. Maybe it's Queen Jack. Maybe Queen Jack. That's about as bad as it yeah. gets, right? We're not, certainly not doing that with a nine. Yeah. Um, what are our bluffs? Well, all the draws that we were going to check raise on the turn didn't get the chance to and didn't yep. get there. Also, though, it could just be all the air where we bet the flop, decided to give up on the turn, and then he checked it back. And we're like, well, he could have missed draws. They didn't want to you know, get blown up. Blah, blah, blah. You could talk yourself into some. I don't know how often that's going to be the case. I'd be worried that he has a made hand most of the yeah. time when he checks it back, and we're not going to get it through. Yeah, I don't think you can bluff that frequently and be a profitable player. You have to have like a hand that makes sense, at least. So here's a problem, then. If we just said we don't think he, he can have very many bluffs here that are going to be successful, right? Well, I think you have to have some bluffs. So... I'm not saying that the actual contents of your hand are going to affect how 
frequently these bluffs get through. Yeah. But a way to choose which bluffs you have can just be choosing hands that either uh, don't block things you think your opponent could, should have or are hands that like just make sense from a reasonable perspective. Like, okay, this is a su- subsection of hands that I'm going to bluff with just to make sure that I have enough frequency. Yeah. And I can think of a few hands that bluffs could, could still work against, like pocket fives. Sure. Decide to call pre, call on the flop once. Yeah. Check back the turn, and then you put in a big bet on the on the river, and they're like, "Well, I mean, you have like a lot of jacks and a lot of nines here, yeah. and like, no, a lot of jacks here, really not nines, and and better, and like, it's not a great spot, and you may feel like you have to fold that hand, and but yeah, but this is mostly just to balance because we have so much value here, right? Yeah, have some bluffs, yeah, a few, yeah. So I think he has enough bluffs that he can bet big, okay, and uh, he does. He mm-hmm. bets twenty five k. He goes even bigger, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big bet. So. I, I like it. I think you like it. The solver, we gave the solver the choice to bet 10K or 25K, of course, or to check. The solver would never check, as neither would we. No. Um, it prefers the 10K bet 89% of the time. Yeah, it wants a smaller a bet, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? My best guess is it feels like we can have, maybe maybe because it gives us uh, worse, worse hands? I don't know. Maybe because it induces more? I don't know. Why is it better to have a smaller bet? I mean, it feels like we're kind of face up. We're not, actually. We have a stronger hand. No, we, we're underrepped. We're underrepped. It's true. I shouldn't say we're face up. But our value is face up. Like, what our value is, and it's all relatively strong value, right? It's all, like, top pair or better. Like King Jack Plus, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we bet 25K, or around there, yeah. 22K. If we bet 10K, can we have Ace-9 and bet 10K? No. I don't think we're betting a 9. I think we could, because a Jack is going to bet anyway if we check to it. So I think we can try and get but, value from worse nines. Yeah, but whenever you make that argument, you're, yeah. you're refusing to think about the po- possibility of getting bluffed at. I'm not refusing, but Dvoris decided not to bluff the turn. So true. That was a pretty good opportunity. So, like, I don't, so it feels like he usually has a made hand almost, almost always. Yeah, I, just, I think that's often a dangerous argument, though, mm-hmm. because it neglects to think about the potential of getting bluffed. I think we should definitely keep in mind the potential of getting bluffed. Yeah. I'm just not sure this is an example where that's going to come up very often. I think divorce usually has a pair. So he's usually just going to check back with... If he has a nine, if he has a worse nine, he's yeah. going to check it back. If he has a jack, he's going to bet anyway kind of a thing. So then and that, you that's think my case for a, betting ace nine. Uh, bluff, he would have bluffed the turn. I think usually he's going to bluff his draws on Okay, that's reasonable. Because like he shouldn't be that afraid when we check the turn. He's like, you know, you just missed a lot and now you're giving up, right? Yeah. Like, no problem. I can bet all my draws here and, you know, no problem. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect him to. But he probably has enough draws on that board that if he's actually balanced, he can't bet them all. For sure. You're, no, you're right. Certainly, there's some percentage of hands he's going to take this way where if we check the river, he's going to bluff. There's yeah. no question about that. I just don't think it's a very high percentage because I think most of them are just going to like have a very clean and easy bet on the turn. Yeah, and I'm not playing against guys who are trying to play super high-level poker all the time. But in practice, when I'm playing poker, I'm almost never betting ace-nine in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm checking and figuring it out. Yeah. That's no, I think I think I am usually too against guys who are going to be more passive and more careful and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? like on the turn they don't bet their draws like right. almost ever because they're like uh, I don't know what to do. I want to see the river. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to. Yeah, and like, but I think the really good players are almost always betting their draws. That's probably true. Anyway, solver wise, we did give it those two options. It did say eighty nine percent of the time it likes the big bet mm-hmm. or a small bet, excuse me. But it there is no discernible EV difference between the bets. That's interesting. So yeah. so it thinks that you do get called a lot more when you bet small. Yeah. Um, and it sort of all washes out. So right. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. The big bet for the sake of balance, I suppose. Yeah. And I guess like nines are just going to always call 
when you bet 10K yeah. in solver's mind. And maybe the smaller pocket pairs are going to call a lot more, too, and stuff like Perhaps. that. Perhaps. Maybe even some ace highs are going to call. It doesn't feel like Dvorak has too many smaller pocket pairs because of pre-flop. I know. And even ace highs, similarly. Yeah. But he can have some. He's going to yeah. have some. Fair. Okay. So Orpin goes with the big bet. This is kind of crappy for Dvorak, but it feels like he just got a call, right? I think we have to call. Like, it feels like this... I like the big sizing mainly because Orpin's the guy who can really have um, total air here still, right. right? Like, if he has five, six off suits, he might take this line. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, we checked the turn partially to bluff catch the river with top pair, right? That was part of the idea. We got a perfect card to bluff catch with. Seems pretty great. Right. We block jack 10. We block 9-10. Yeah. We block 9-9. Nine, nine, we block jack-jack. We block king-jack. We block ace-jack. Yeah. Those are all good things. Those are really good things. Um, we don't really... I, I wouldn't be sitting there thinking that Orpin checked a straight on the turn. We don't no. think a straight is a big part of his range. We I mean, no, we, we wouldn't have checked a straight, and the solver almost never checks the straight, yeah. right? So, Right. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty clear call. Yeah. But Divorce doesn't call. No, because that wouldn't really be a breakdown hand, probably. He doesn't fold either. Right. So Orpin's got 90K going into the river, and Divorce puts the, all of that in. Yeah. So he's turning his full house blockers into a bluff. Yeah. So he's just saying, like, I make it a lot less likely that you have a full house, and I feel like you have too many hands that are a little bit better than mine, so I'm going to bluff you. And, and I think the under-repping for Orpin has worked out for him pretty well here because Agreed. it feels a lot like Divorce is targeting like an ace-jack type hand or an overpair. Yep. Uh, because I think Orpin would play ace-jack, king-jack, or an overpair exactly like this. Me too. Like all throughout the thing. It makes tons of sense to check back the 10 or check the 10 on the turn, and then when you get the check back, you're like, okay, I got to go for some value. I have either the best jack or an overpair. Mm -hmm. But those hands hate getting shoved on here. And that's what Divorce is thinking about. That's what Divorce is thinking about. Yeah. There's a big problem with this. Okay. The story is bizarre. It's saying he turned a full house and didn't want to lose his action. Right. That's what it's saying. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's usually going to bet his full house. I mean, also to turn a full house means he flopped to pair with a 10. Yeah. Jack 10, you think you're going to see some... I mean, any of the two pairs, you think you're going to see some raises some of the time, like we talked yeah. about. Maybe you're not going to see that many raises in practice. Maybe like Dvoris knows he's never raising two pair on yeah, that flop maybe, or something. Maybe he knows that. And he also knows he's checking his full houses on the turn. I don't you know, really man. wouldn't expect him to check a straight on the turn. I would expect him to bet most of those things to some degree on the turn to build a pot so we can get a big bet in on the river. You know? Yeah. Like... It just seems weird to keep the pot small so you can raise the river with your super strong hands because our opponent doesn't look like he's very strong right now. I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to, trying to capture a bluff out of him. It doesn't seem as valuable as, like, let's bet the turn, bet the river, get two streets. That's awesome. And maybe even if we bet the turn, we're going to get jammed on by a draw and we've got a full house and we're, he's drawing dead. Like, how great would that be? Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I feel like the story is bad. I think you're right. I think you're right. The solver also really doesn't like this. Mm. It wants divorce to call 98% of the time, raise 1% of the time and fold 1% of the time. Yeah. It thinks the expected value of calling is 6,200 chips and the expected value of raising is 2000 chips. Right. So that's significant. Yeah. 4,000 difference. Yeah. It's two blinds. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I don't know if he's literally getting, I mean, I know he's a very good player and I know, so maybe I'm wrong about this. I'm not sure if he's getting any better hands to fold. I'm not sure if King Jack is... Oh, I think he's getting some of those hands to fold. The story is so bad. 
but divorce is going to be a guy. I think he's and Orpin's probably aware of this, that he's balanced enough and tricky enough that he can show up with some of the hands where the story is bad. And right. like, you're, you're going to have to make some distribution based folds. And if we're right about Orpin's range and King Jack mm-hmm. is the bottom of his value range, he's going to have to fold that hand. It, yeah. He's, he's probably going to have to fold up to like Queens, at least if he's doing distribution wise, if he's doing distribution and he, and, and he knows he has seven, eight in his range. If, if he's doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm not sure if he's doing that or not in reality. I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's possible you're right. And he's just going to, and divorce is balanced enough. And all these things are the case. My, my inclination and guess is that divorce is not balanced enough. He's got way too many bluffs here. Um, and as a result, this ends up being like too many bluffs means you can call wider than you would normally, you can widen your distribution of what you would call with as a result. Well, I could be wrong about this, but Orpen I feel like all these players are making these plays. Orpen does not call right away with seven, eight. So that's, that's, that's a really, that's an endorsement point. for this play. No doubt. Because this play is not targeting a straight to reiterate. Of like, course not. It's targeting a one pair hand that is now a two pair hand. It's targeting a, a Jack. I mean, it's not just a one pair hand. It's targeting a Jack or, or better, right? Jack or an over one pair. pair hand. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, ace, Jack, aces, Kings, Queens. That's yeah. it. King Jack, maybe. Okay. King Jack. Fair enough. Yeah. Maybe even Queen Jack, maybe. but whatever. Right. So I don't know. It would be interesting to see if I, I would love to see Orpin with aces in this spot. Mm-hmm. Like what, what would he do? Right. That would be very interesting. It would be. Yeah. That would be really interesting. Instead he has seven, eight. And if he is not playing scared and he's aware of distribution at all and is aware that he's underwrapped, which I'm sure he is, it's a must call spot. It feels it's, like an obvious. So call. it could be just a little bit unlucky for divorce that Orpin is so underwrapped by checking the turn. But that's what happened, and Orpin does ultimately call, even though he does tank for a little while. See, I feel like this is a better story if it's just the three of clubs on the river and everything else plays out the same. Like, now we made the flush. Yeah. Cool, you know? Um, I don't think that Orpin would bet 25K, of course, right. if the three of clubs comes in. So, that, so everything's changed a little bit, too. But still, like, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. this well, is it's just a, a concern I have about this play for Dvoris. And to be clear, we like Orpen calling. The solver loves Orpen calling. It thinks the call is worth 32000 in EV versus, of course, folding is worth zero. I, I'm not sure. It's possible this is just like a fancy play that eventually is going to not be used so much by these elite players. And this is also a few years ago, but I know there was a while when all the big-time players were doing this. Every time the board was paired and they had had two pair yeah. and they didn't block, you know, they didn't have trips, they're, and they're like, I have full house blockers. You have to fold everything. And they right. just move in. And like that, I don't know. I feel like what, I, what I've observed is players making that play too often. Like you just don't have enough hands you can really raise the river with usually in these spots, you know. And that if you just close your eyes and call like some ridiculously high percentage of the time there, like you're just going to be, you're just going to make a million dollars. So I don't know if that's still true, but I feel like that's been happening a lot. Perhaps you're right. Years with these players. Perhaps you're right. It's like a cool play. Either way, it didn't matter to Orpen. He didn't cash. Oh no. And neither did Daniel. Oh no. (laughs) Nobody did anyone cash. No, actually they didn't pay anybody. They're like, (laughs) you know what? You guys didn't play well enough. (laughs) Also, we're all going to be dead in six years anyway. Well, at that time, we're was, keeping the money. It was nine years. At that well, time. they thought, though, it was still six. They didn't realize. We've, we've extended the, the horizon. Well, hopefully, maybe we can get seven or eight. Yeah. Well, Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm going to be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.